The independent season is underway and there's major news from the Pioneer League. All that and more on this week's episode of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. Back again, episode number 217 of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. I'm Nick, he's Will, and honestly, sometimes I forget how long this show's been going on for. It doesn't, it's not something I think about often, but like, I guess if we were to go back and, and think about it, like, it's probably, like, I'm trying to think time-wise. What episode is this now? Because I usually, I don't even like, give any thought to the number when you say it. <laughs> it's really? Two, yeah, it's 217. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like like I said, it it's been going on for a while since pretty much the start of 2019. Like yeah, there's like that six week break where nothing was up for, but yeah. outside of that, every single week has had at least one. And honestly, I think there's probably been about five or six bonus episodes. So authentically speaking, there's like 223, 225 ish episodes, okay. including the bonus ones. So. I mean, special ones were like interview only, and then there was an actual show, or it was in like two parts, you know. Mm-hmm. It's an impressive feat. Honestly, kind of is in a way. Yeah, I'm still fighting to get to 365. I want one for every single day of the year. Like, obviously, you know, most of them will be out of date, so you would make no sense whatsoever to do it like an anthology where you just listen to one every single day. But still, just to be able to do that is what's interesting to me at least exactly so but a lot of stuff's changed since the beginning including streaming in all these leagues and uh the pioneer league continues to uh well simply put continue the god-awful trend of going to flow sports and i guess that's what we're going to start with because it's the only piece of news we have we can get into actual baseball talk and on monday the pioneer league announced that they were going to have a streaming partnership with flow sports Every game's going to be on there. Multi-year agreement. We went through this last week with the, or I guess it would be two weeks ago now, with the Atlantic League. And last year with the Frontier League, uh, 150 for the year, 30 in the month. You know the deal. Uh, the only thing I'm willing to say about this now is it starts to become a slightly better deal when you have three leagues worth of games at 150 for the year. That being said, all the same concerns and troubles and uh issues we have with flow sports still remain it's just more teams are affected by them now yeah i agree i think that uh at at the end of the day like uh i i understand the point of like we've went over the reasons of why like you know why this has happened or why they're why they're doing this but it does and just i mean to keep it consistent because like you know we said as, as i said specifically uh Two, I believe two weeks ago when this was announced and we, and we mm-hmm. talked about this at length, uh, that this, that I'm not going to hold th- just because, you know, like you, the Atlantic League tends to do a lot of things that are, you know, wrong, uh, that we're going to, that we said the same thing when the, when the Pioneer, when not the Pioneer League, that when the Frontier League did this last year. So again, it's all the same concerns. I do acknowledge though, that like, if it becomes a, there's no reason for the American Association to go over to Flow Sports. They have their own, they have their yeah. own thing going. It's been yeah. very successful. Um, and they have, they have a great operation going there for an affordable price for the fans to watch. Uh, could you make a case for it? Uh, if you're an Atlantic League, for like a, a super indie ball fan, that it could be worth it. Yeah, I think you could make that case. However, you got to realize, though, that's not the the majority of the target like audience. It's not like the majority of indie ball fans. Like a, a diehard Long Island Ducks fan, let's just say for the record, yeah. does not really care about Frontier League. They don't. Yeah. Um, and a, a season ticket holder with um, – with 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 Lancaster does not care about the Pioneer League and is not going to buy the buy Flow Sports because like oh boy I can watch the Pioneer League the Pioneer League at night like you got to think of also like the 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 people who are there are connected to their teams not so, and, and some the league as a whole and some of and very few people are just indie ball in general but I, I just think that you're still pricing out the people who you need as an as an indie ball franchise and that's just that's the overall problem I have with it I'm going to reiterate it again and again. Uh, that when these leagues, so I guess, I guess now out of the four major indie, indie leagues, Nick, it's just everyone, everyone that's not the American Association is on Flow Sports now. 
So yeah. it's clearly a trend. Um, uh, however, I, I just, yeah, just not a, not a fan because I just don't think it, it's realistic to what fans of those teams and like diehard fans of those teams actually want and actually want to buy. That, that's just it. That, that's exactly the point is that if you're, like you mentioned, if you're a fan of, say, Rocky Mountain, odds are you just care about Rocky Mountain and perhaps other Pioneer League teams. You don't particularly care about, you know, what's happening with, uh, with, the Quebec Capitals or what's going on with the Fairy Hawks. You don't really care about those teams. You're spot on with that. Also, like I get the point of now, you know, for the people like us where it's, oh, well, everything's now in the same spot. So now I don't have to jump around to four or five different streaming places to all get it. But it also doesn't really alleviate the concern of is the quality of the broadcast better? I mean, we talked about it last week where Gastonia opened up their first game and there wasn't any audio in it. There was a missed home run for the first home run of the year because of the way the broadcast was being done. They, they didn't show it. So these are all, you know, kind of prompts. Now, granted, I think they've been one off. I really haven't seen anyone else complaining about it. And seeing as I refuse to pay the 150 for Flow Sports, I can't really comment as to the quality of it. And maybe, you know, because these are professional teams, the quality is better than they would be for a, a collegiate team that probably doesn't have the same resources that probably can't afford to dedicate the same amount of people to it, you know, so perhaps that's it. And if that's the case and they got better then great, you know, that's, that's fantastic. And you, and it's a good thing there, but you know, they just continue to eat up and buy up all of these other, you know, independent league uh, streaming rights. And I just don't know if I really like it just because of the concerns that I have about the quality of it. Again, the price point, like you said, well, if you only care about one team, you only care about one league, 150 is still a lot of money for that. If you care about, you know, following a player around, then maybe it's worth it. But again, it, it just, it's unfair. The same concerns we've had in the past. It's unfair to the family of that player. It's unfair to the fans of that team. All in all, it just doesn't seem like the best solution here. And it's kind of surprising from the Pioneer League because they've, you know, kind of put an emphasis on creating content. They've had, you know, that manager series that we mentioned a couple weeks back. They've produced uh, several other feature pieces as well. They're very active in that online presence. They're very active in the content creation end of it. And a lot of their teams are as well. So it's kind of surprised to me that they go to an outsourcing operation like Flow Sports as opposed to trying to do something themselves here. And it's even funnier that a couple of weeks ago when they announced the manager thing, we praised them for, look, great free content. And now they turn around and put this behind a paywall. So it's kind of ironic how that turned out. But even still, it is extremely disappointing on that because all the concerns are still there. The only thing is now at least you have two or three leagues for the 150. But again, like you mentioned, like I said, uh, it appeals to what, maybe 10, 15 people? Like that's, right. so it's not really a large bulk here. The large group is still kind of in the dark here. And in a way, you almost wish like, and I understand you can't just do like one-off teams because it doesn't really, you know, it's harder to make that work. But if you could just buy one league for like a fraction of the cost would be. Yeah. You know, I would be way more into that. Yeah. Like if you could pay, say, $60 for the year for even just $60 from opening day to last postseason game, you know, like that, I, I could get behind that a lot more because at least that's like, okay, realistically, you're paying for May, June, July, August, and September. Those four months, 64 was a breakdown to about 15 a month, like a little yeah. steep, but that's a lot more fair than, you know, what, 30 a month or 150 I'd be, for a I'd year. I'd be fine with that. Way, yeah. I would be way more, I'd be way more fine with that. And it actually appeals to people that, uh, it, it appeals to the people that you're trying, you're trying to market to. And, and I guess the other thing I'd, I'd want to bring up, and honestly, it's more of a question than anything, because I'm mm. not a hundred percent sure, but just trying to think of the justification for it is flow sports are they does flow sports actually have people from flow that are like making that are running the broadcasts at these uh at these indie ball sites and you know producing it and making sure that these are quality enough because people are paying for it or are they or is it just like a platform that the teams are just running like some sort of HDMI from their broadcast to go on to live stream onto that site. Because if it's the latter, then I think it's really bad 
because then you're not doing anything. You're not improving the broadcast at all. But if there's actually like production behind it now, then I'd be a little bit more intrigued. But I mean, because at least speaking speaking from my experience, because I've I and yeah, I guess since I'm about I'm nearly done with college now, I'll just say it. Whatever. I mean, the the games that I did for I've done tons of games for for Flow Sports for Hofter basketball and stuff like that, and there was never anyone from Flow there, never. Not once. That was, it was always just the school would run it. Like, like Hofstra would have like their own people. They would hire, um, like it would be up to Hofstra to supply whatever broadcasters, like the produce, pay the, pay the producer, uh, pay the camera people. Uh, that would be all on them. And just flow would just provide a platform to put it on. Uh, but they're not actually producing anything of it. So that's, that's the thing that I'm wondering, like if it's for the leagues and the, they claim that, oh, the, the broadcast is going to be enhanced. Well, are you actually put? Are you just saying that? Are you just putting that in words of, in a press release? Or are you actually putting in the work? And I'm concerned that the work is not actually being put in for this in order to make this a quality operation. You see, I'm inclined to believe it's probably the latter. You know, I think it's probably the teams are still running the whole production. I can't imagine Flow Sports has the resources because I mean they have a lot of different colleges, they have a lot of different professional leagues, and they're spread out pretty fairly wide. So the only way you could even you know feasibly do it from a logistics perspective is to have a handful of regional managers and perhaps a few people underneath them that more specifically handle each of the leagues and help get that set up in the very beginning and then just kind of watch to maintain the standard. That's the only thing I can realistically think of to be able to manage it. The only thing I think Flow really does, and they may just create kind of a uniformed uh, uh, branding or uniform graphic package across the board, because from what little uh, kind of clips and highlights I've seen online, seen through Twitter and everything, it seems like everybody has the same score bug. It seems like the camera angles are all the same. So I think it's more they put out a uniform standard. I can't imagine Flow is really paying money to go and you know first off host the uh host the content they have to pay for the rights to host it and then on top of that put out more money to then improve the broadcast i think when they mean by enhanced i think they probably mean the teams each get a cut of the money from the flow sports deal and they can use that money as they see fit to improve or you know to go ahead and better the watching experience is my guess here and yeah it, the other thing that's difficult is I don't know if every ballpark has the same kind of technology in it to be able to run the broadcast the same way, right? Like, obviously, in the Atlantic League, most of these ballparks are newer ballparks. Not many of them are more than 20, 30 years old. So they're still fairly new. Most of them 90s or earlier. So great. Not a really an issue there. I mean, in the case of, like, some of the really newer ones, then, you know, they're, like, fairly new construction. Like, at High Point, like, Gastonia, they're both, what, 2021, 2019 openings? So, like those ones got no concerns about but if you look towards the frontier league you look towards the pioneer league you start having stadiums built in the 1930s 1940s you know some really older ballparks here that probably don't have that kind of technology in it because i mean how could it you'd have to go and upgrade it and if you've just constantly had an independent league team here or a low a team here or a rookie ball level club here you never really had a need to get like top of the line equipment to do that and you've never really had the need to upgrade the actual capacity for it, you know, upgrade the electrical capacity, upgrade everything that needs to go into it for uh, you to run that kind of a broadcast. Because obviously, you know, this is still a minor league sports operation. You're not going to have those right. giant jumbo trucks you have for, you know, the, the major professional sports. So, you know, that goes without saying. So, you know, overall... I got to imagine it's probably the latter. I imagine still on the teams to go out and put on the broadcast as they see fit. There's probably just a content guideline they got to follow, though. Yeah, and the one thing I will give some sort of credit for, uh, and and you mentioned the Twitter highlights because, no, I've not subscribed to Flow Sports either, so I can't comment on everyone's broadcast or how good it is, how bad it is. But at least in the the highlights that I've seen on Twitter – in particular, the the ducks and the uh, and the blue crabs that I know historically from watching games for for quite a few years in the past have not had center field cameras now do. Mm-hmm. So I think that is that because that I remember that was like the first thing I said like you know what like I don't have to like it but one thing that better 
Like it, I like that. There's no excuses. If you're going to put this on the flow, every single team needs to have a center field camera. I don't know if that's the case. I know that the, at least for the ducks and, uh, and the blue crabs that I know have not in the past. Like I know like high point has had it for, yeah. for high point has had it uh, in particular. I, Gastonia, I know has had a historically really weird camera angles that, yeah. they, that they put on their broadcast. But, uh, but yeah, I think that, um, at least they have that going for them, but I can't 100% speak to the to to the quality of it as of now. But uh, but it just it better be good if you're if, if you're paying that much and you're asking people who are who are you know independently baseball fans, fans of a specific team, because you know as we mentioned before, there are very few fans that just love indie ball straight up. Yeah. There's, that's not a, that is not a big group of people, and like Nick and I are in that group, but. It's not a it's not a very big group of people. They're people who they're they're definitely people who love like specific leagues, but not like I I think like a single league pass and not subscribing to the other like rowing and whatever other sports are on Flow Sports. Like I don't need that. I don't like I don't want to pay for that. Like uh, I think that's perfectly fair to have a if you want to still outsource to Flow, fine, but make a single a single league package for a reasonable price so you don't outprice your fans out of it. Then I think you would have a lot better reception from it uh, from the fans, and you would have a lot. You would end up making a lot more money in the end than what you currently have, uh, which is like you're asking people like, like why the hell would someone who's a season ticket holder uh, in in I don't know in Charleston, West Virginia, give like like care at all about like CAA sports? They don't. So, and that's and like I always hate when like cable companies do that, and that's why I think people are going more towards streaming as well. A big reason because you're you can customize a lot more what you see, uh, a lot more of the channels that you get, and you don't really because in cable you just get everything. That's kind of that's also my concern with this. Yeah, it's definitely a concern there. And also, I mean, another even easier option as opposed to doing individual league passes, do just some sort of a sports pass or a uh, professional versus college pass. You know, say you get all the baseball on there for $90 for the year as opposed to the 150 It's $60 less. You don't get any of the other sports along with it. But, you know, you're getting a, a discount on it. Or if you're doing just a professional one, say it's $75 for all the professional uh baseball on the platform you know again you're probably missing a lot of it if you want to watch any mid-major baseball you're not going to get that but if you're not interested in it then hey you don't have to really worry about it and it just seems like uh that's the concern but i do agree with your with the theory on the leak pass i think that is the way to go on it because it just right now it's 150 dollars for a bunch of stuff nobody really wants and you know like yeah, up front in the grand scheme, 150 is not that much money, but for what you're getting, it just doesn't feel like 150 is a fair price because I'm not going to be watching more than one or two games a night. And even then, that's probably not one or two every night. So, you know, it just, again, the price point seems off, but I will say, because people did mention on Twitter, uh, with the three on there, it does start to become a little bit easier to justify, but... I still don't love it. And the fact that they try to kind of discur well, not the Pioneer League, the Atlantic League tried to creep it in, but uh, the Pioneer yeah. League just coming out and saying like, hey, a month before our season starts, this is the deal. We're doing this. That's how it is. I'll be interested to see how their broadcast changed because I know some of theirs were rough, but they were free, so it's hard to complain. So I'll be interested to see how that turns out. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. So on that note, we can actually go to talk about baseball for the first time in... Since October, I guess it would be. October's the it's last exciting day. Yeah, I know. It really is. We got the Atlantic League in action, and we have, you know, a lot to actually talk about. After a week of Atlantic League baseball, we have some teams that we thought were going to be kind of uh, kind of terrible doing really well, and some teams that we thought were going to be good doing kind of not good at all. So I guess the, the appropriate place to start was with the 0-6 Frederick question marks here, a team that one of us took to be their champion. So... Not a great start to that campaign. Yeah, it's not. Uh, admittedly, I'm not giving up on anyone after after six games. That's that's foolish. Uh, however, I think in I think they're not. There's no way that they're as bad as like. Uh, there's no way they're as bad as like what they've been so far. I just 
I refuse to believe it. I think there's too much. Um, although I will say the fact that Stephen Brault is now hitting is, uh, you know, yeah, is uh, of, yeah, it's, interesting. It's, it's a yeah. move. Uh, how was that? No, I was just gonna say like if you look at their record too, it's it's a little deceiving because like they have a two run loss, is. they have a three run loss. Those are both the guests starting. Admittedly, the the four ten loss on opening day that wasn't good, obviously. So that one's admittedly rougher, but then everything to Lexington was either a one or two run loss, which again, still Lexington's going to be one of those things we're going to talk about in a second. It's doing better than we thought, but like, it's not that bad, but like, it's also not good if you keep losing these kinds of games. When you also look at the numbers too, they've allowed 14 home runs in 51 innings. There is no way that sustains. That is an obscene pace. Like there's no way that's, that's going to stick. The, the pitching certainly has not been good. I mean, honestly, like the, the hit it, the offensively, it hasn't been terrible. Team OPS, they're in third. I mean, they're hitting for a little bit lower of an average, but uh, the second in the league in home runs, I, I don't think personally there's much to worry about with this team as of yet because Gastonia and High Point are far and away the top two dogs offensively so far in the first six games. Frederick is Frederick is right in the mix behind them, and I, I just think there's too much talent on this team. That there was some unsustainable uh, unsustainable numbers as well. Like I, I really am confident in saying that they will that they will be fine. Yeah, see, and that's the thing. They have individual performers doing well too. Dedilo's doing great. I mean, he had like what a four or five game home run streak, I believe. So you know, when you're already among the league leaders in home runs. That's a great star. He is the league leader in home runs. He's tied with uh, Nagowski for RBIs as well. He's doing overall pretty damn good. So, like, that's a positive sign here. Uh, Cabrera's also had some power, too. There's a lot of guys that are coming up there. And overall, you know, there is enough there. It's still, though, dropping three to Lexington is not great. And losing no. last night in the bot, and I think they lost their lead in the top of the ninth and then weren't able to get anything going to the bottom of the ninth, if I remember right. So that's not a great look either. Uh, their series, what well, starts with who today? Oh, they play, oh, they play high point. They start a series with high point. That's, so they may life be over for a little bit longer. Life in the South, boys and girls. That is a tough division, man. Like you look at the whole South. Like even Charleston at one. Yeah, like even Charleston at one and three. Like those three were to high point. And like last night, did you see the uh, the play the end of the game down there in Charleston High Point? I I did not. Was it a, like a controversial something? Or it wasn't controversial, but it was dumb to send the man. So it was I think a one run game to end it. And hit ball to the outfield. Relay throw gets in. Relay throw home. Beats the runner by probably a good four or five feet. So, like, if you beat him by that much, I understand you're not banking on a great relay throw, which it was a really good one from about shallow, just past infield, first base side, then got in right on the money. It, I admittedly would say you weren't expecting that great of a relay throw, but at the same point in time, he got beat by a solid four feet. Like, maybe you shouldn't have sent him. That's all I'm going to say. Like, maybe hold him up here and live to fight for another batter. Yeah, I know. It's with, I mean, obviously, with two outs, you're always going to look to be more aggressive than, than you normally would. Uh, but at the same time, you got to be, you got to be smarter if that, if you're just sending your guy into a death sentence, then no. But uh, yeah, lo- long season. Uh, but yeah, that's, just yeah, not a great start to the year. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, it's that South Division though is is really brutal. Yeah, I mean, Lexington at five and one, High Point at five and one, Gastonia five and one. Let's take that time to go to Lexington now. They are they actually this good, or is this just like early season bounce for Lexington? Yeah, for Lexington because we were down on um, them in the preview. Yeah, look, I think they. I mean, their pitching has been really good so far. I yeah. think that's. Uh, the one thing I worry about as far as them sustaining is they've allowed a lot of base runners. They, you know, they've walked basically a batter every two innings. That's not really a rate you'd love. But I mean, in particular, the the pitching is real. The, the offense has been pretty mediocre. The the pitching has really sustained itself uh, in the through the first six games and and been fantastic overall. I think that's been the 
been the surprising part. Now, I, I do think it is also fair to point out that all that all five of their wins have been have been by three runs or less. Yeah. I think that's that's not necessarily a knock, but just something to uh, just something to mention at least. Uh, so I think again, it's you don't want to draw many conclusions other than the fact that wow, high points really good, uh, and Gaston is good, although. I guess that kind of contradicts what I'm saying, but you know, yeah. I, I think I, I think that it, it's early. You don't want to draw too many conclusions, but I mean, Lexington certainly on the pitching side has been terrific to start to start off. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in what? How many games here? About after five months, six games. In the six games here, their starting pitching is only given up to 16 earned runs, 16 runs in total, actually. So that's not terrible at all, but. Eikhoff being the worst is the one I didn't really expect. I didn't expect him to go 10 runs in 10 innings. That's kind of surprising. But uh, even batting-wise, I don't think they're terrible. Obviously, it's like three or four guys really shouldering the load. But even still, I don't know if I really believe in them. I mean, they have Frederick that's been kind of on a skid so far. They're going to play Lancaster and then High Point. So I guess that's really going to be the deciding point here. And for them, uh, York, I mean, they, they handled York. That wasn't really a an issue handling them so you know i'll be interested to see if it keeps up against some of the better teams i think next week's kind of an important week for them to kind of prove are they really a player in this or are they not obviously it's still very early it's hard to make any decisions in may even if you know what like july 4th july 7th is the end of the first half so things end quicker for at least the first part of the year so you know uh, you can't wait around on it but it's hard to say anything in may but uh, yeah, they have an easier opponent with Lancaster, a one and five team. Not a great start to the title defense there. Uh, and overall, it is a uh, it's interesting going in the north. As good as the south has been, the north has been bad. Yeah, it's been it's been really bad so far. But uh, again, super super early. And I will say about Southern Maryland, the mean the main winning the north at the moment being four and two. I think it screams regression coming because yeah. pitching, pitching wise, uh, near the bottom half of the league, and they've walked more guys than they've struck out, and only have an ERA of four eighty six. So I don't think that's going to sustain, and I don't love the the personnel of their lineup either. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. Only time will tell. I've been proven wrong many times before, so we'll have to see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see there. I just, that Southern Maryland, really no one in the North really is blowing me away there. I got to be honest. Like, they just are, they're not really doing it. Also, I see uh, Wentmore still is not doing great uh, as far as batting is going over to start the year. So that's not great either. Uh, Adrian Sanchez, right? Raking for Staten Island, though. Yeah, so he's, he's really carrying the load for them. I mean, like, that's the thing, like, they're one and three. They had a lot of ring outs and whatnot. I'm going to be interested to see what happens with them. But they're an interesting team, Staten Island. I'm still convinced of it. They gave uh, Long Island a good scare. And, like, I know Long Island hasn't been, like, hot out of the gate. But even still, uh, they're, they've been decent. Like, him, uh, Cespedes, O'Connor. Like, there's some guys here that are doing a pretty good job. They still don't have a home run on the year, though, which is kind of interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, which do, I mean... Yeah. I don't know. You don't you don't see that very often in this day and age, but yeah, yeah interesting. Yeah, through four games, no home runs. It's kind of it's kind of funny how that is, but uh, yeah, like I said, there's a handful of guys here. Like even Santana's doing pretty good for them, to be quite honest. Here, like yeah, he's got only uh, he's only got three hits in three games, but even still, I mean, he's putting RBIs on the board, so that's got to be something. Got to mean something. Yeah. Guys. So I mean, it'll be interesting to see there, but their pitching's actually been fairly decent over in Staten Island. Like not great, but decent. It's uh, yeah, I know. I mean, it's so early, uh, yeah. especially with them, them in particular. Uh, just the the four games because what they had their whole opening series washed out, or they only played one game. Uh, I think they played their opening day game, and then they lost the next two to rain. Yeah, last weekend in the Northeast wasn't gross. Oh god, yeah, brutal, absolutely brutal. It was like a World War One trench with all the rain and mud. Yeah, not not admittedly not a not a fun time for those of us up here in the Northeast last week yeah, with no. the rain. Yeah, which honestly, I applaud uh, McGowan's performance. You see his uh, his numbers from his start. I did, yeah. Five now, innings, eleven good, strikeouts. He's, he's a great arm, though. I mean, I mean, he's a big leaguer, so I mean, yeah. he he's he's always going to go out and give give you everything he has. He's he's a pretty good arm, but yeah, I mean, it, it, 
if he could certainly be a boost to them, maybe in a candidate to get picked up by somebody and thrown in AAA. I don't know. That we'll see. I, I could see it. I mean, five no hit it, 11 strikeout innings. I mean, what? He faces 15 batters. He strikes 11 of them out. I mean, that's pretty damn impressive. Obviously, you know, we're mm-hmm. going to get to see his next time through the rotation fairly soon here, but. I'll be interested to see that. Even the uh, the guy that got from uh, High Point, uh, Pinheiro, he looked pretty decent too. I mean, four four innings of work. And it seems like that's the thing with all the starters here. None of them go more than five innings. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just I early season management. Early. Yeah, I would bet that's what it is, 100%. You don't, you don't want, especially with guys who are, you, I mean, because obviously Atlantic League, Atlantic League teams have spring training, but like, not How real built up training. are you really? Yeah, you know, it's like two weeks. Like it's, yeah. it's it's hard to get built up. And guys, I assume are throwing on their own before they get there, so they're already somewhat built up. But yeah, I think a little bit. I think just working them into it. Yeah, that makes the most sense there. But it's just it's kind of interesting to see that we're seeing inning management like early on in the Atlantic League, like Major League Baseball. I totally get it. I understand it. But like. On this level, it's totally just go out there and blow out your arm. I mean, like, how many times have we seen guys pitch 100-plus innings, you know? Like, it's not, like, terribly uncommon. I mean, like, obviously using Daryl Thompson as the comparable here is never, mm-hmm. you know, the most accurate. Just about to bring him up. Yeah, but, I mean, like, Daryl will go out there. He'll just say, yeah, I could go throw uh, 200 innings in, like, three months' time. That's not a problem. Daryl Thompson has, like, the workload of, like, an elite, like, softball pitcher, but, like... <laughs> Except he throws overhand, which is supposed to be bad for you. And yeah. then Daryl Thompson just doesn't get hurt. He doesn't. I mean, like a hundred oh, dear God, hundred and eighty six innings last year, hundred and sixty nine, hundred and ninety two. Like it's so consistent. God. I mean, the the shape, the physical shape that you have to be in as a pitcher, and like the especially as like as you age and get uh, get into your later thirties, the I mean, the shape that he has to be in and how how well he takes care of his arm and body is it, it has to be i and certainly it's not something I, I know i don't know anything he does spe- uh specifically to keep himself in shape but it has to be tr- it has to be like otherworldly like dedication to like staying in shape to be this remarkably consistent and just to keep his arm and, and shoulder and, and elbow everything like this healthy it, it's crazy i mean like coming into this year of the last 10 years he's pitched in the atlantic league seven times he's had 20 or more starts not normal. It's crazy is what it is. I mean, 124 innings, 123 innings, 132, 158. And then, the, you know, the one night, the 192 is what's bugging my mind out. 28 starts, four of them were complete games. Like, that's just crazy, dude. Like, I just, you know, shit. 19, he almost had more strikeouts than he did hits allowed. That's, that's yeah. obscene. You know, 168 to 162 in case anyone yeah. was wondering and then what's even funnier is he gives up 168 for the hit number the next year like in 21 <laughs> like isn't that that's, it. that's consistency right there but yeah i mean even still like it's just kind of funny like you're used to seeing those kinds of numbers for innings pitch because you just like we don't have the bodies to replace so like you got to go out there you got to deal with it and then we'll try to get you off tomorrow but like go pitch it's normally the mantra here so i'm used to seeing like six to seven to eight innings out of these guys so it's kind of interesting to see that they're taking this approach i wonder if that'll pay off though you know it'll be interesting to see when we start getting into like the middle of june beginning of july like right when we get to the end of the first half if it's going to start to pay off then because i imagine at the end of the halves are really where you're going to push these guys right especially i think it depends a lot of that depends on the standings too true Uh, true. uh, and you know personnel and you don't want to if you, if you don't have a chance at the first half title, like you don't want to blow it. And, and that's not to say throw it because like, of course the wild card comes into play. It's if the team wins both halves. Uh, but I think that, yeah, I think a lot of it depends on the standings, but I think once guys really start getting stretched out and you start getting past, um, past Memorial day, you'll, you'll have guys getting into the seventh, eighth inning or in the Atlantic league. It's always more of a throwback old fashioned league in that sense. Mm. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it's the North Division. This one should be kind of open, it looks like. Like we said, oh, well, it's going to be Long Island all the way through, and I guess we should take a little bit of time just to talk about Long Island here while we have the time. 
because like they're sure. supposed to kind of run through everything and they're playing 500 baseball right now which i mean fine you know it's not terrible certainly but they're also not that dominant force we thought of they've had a couple of dominant performances by guys and they beat up on stat island by and large they dropped one game to them but even still a 13-4 win and then a 4-3 comeback win seems to be fairly you know fairly telling i guess it's just that they struggled against high point which i can't tell if that's like yo high point's legit or if it's oh well the ducks are uh, not as good as we thought it's it's not going to be the popular answer but it's just it's it's really it's just so early yeah. i mean they need for example they need they, they need certain guys to start start hitting better like for example like hechevaria has got to be hitting better than he is so far and just 222 with a 250 on base like he's gonna have, like he's gonna have to be a lot better. Daniel Murphy's been was has been really solid so far, uh, in that in that Ducks lineup. But you know they need they they need more like they need certainly need like a guy like Sam Travis to hit for more power on a team that you know I mentioned in the preview that I, I that, that's the one concern I have for him is that I don't think they have uh, a lot of power. Yeah. Um, and so, it's, which is not necessarily inherently a a bad thing. But it's you know stringing for stringing together four to five hits in an inning is hard. Yeah. Uh, so I think again, still the, the pitching is the pitching has largely been very good. Uh, the, the you know walk, walk, the walk to K ratio sixteen walks to fifty three strikeouts that's very good. So I, I think I think for the Ducks the the arms right now are not what I'm worried about. Uh, but some of the guys that they need on on the offensive side have to be going. And yeah. if they're gonna, um, and granted, you know, they playing uh, playing at at high points not easy to open up the year. True, it's not an easy bus trip down there to start the year, um, and to go play that team. But games at home against Staten Island, if you're the Ducks, those are the those are the series you got to win. Yeah. Uh, and so, and they've they played some close ones. I know. I think they I think they walked off last night. But yeah, offensively is what I'm really keying in on. Uh, and guys like guys like Hechevaria who are, you know, big names, you expect a lot from them. They got, they got to produce. And, but one thing we know about the ducks is there are guys that are not producing. They've, they will not, uh, they will not hesitate to cycle in new guys. So that's true. That's very true. I mean, like I'm looking at two guys. You have Salcido who's still hitless in six at bats. Uh, you have Peroni who appears to be hitless in eight at bats. Woodcock who only has one hit in 17 at bats. So yeah, you're on something there with mm-hmm. the hitting. Although Guerrero has been a surprise too. He's been a surprise in a good way. Yeah, not not a guy that I think we we thought a whole lot about early on. Yeah. It certainly certainly has been a a nice surprise for them. And I mean, you, I think it's fair to ask the question: Where would the Ducks be without him? Yeah. This first in this first week of, in this first week of play. It's not the fun thing about indie ball. How every once in a while you have the guys that nobody knows that are keeping the teams with all the stars afloat. Right, and like you, you know, you look at them before the year, and you're like, "Where the hell did this come from?" I mean, you have guys all the you get. It's it's quite common in any ball where guys just figure it out, or like, or even maybe guys uh, just don't like their their numbers are consistently bad in affiliated ball, and then they just have that that uh, that scenic change, uh, that that kind of scene change, and yeah. they're back to focus on winning. Uh, that you know, maybe they they're probably used to it in college or whatnot. Uh, that where just winning is the most important thing. You're trying to make plays to help your team win the game. Where in, in affiliated ball, that nobody, uh, honestly, nobody really gives a shit if you win, if your team wins the game or not. Mm. Um, and, and that that sh- that change really helps some guys. Yeah, I mean that, and also it's just the the bucket of cold water to wake you up to get you to start playing again. But like looking at the rest of the stucks, like I'm looking at their their pitching staff right now. It's kind of funny. Because like Joey Oreo, he pitches seven innings, two games, one one of them started, eleven hits. So it feels like interesting to me that he still managed to maintain like uh, a sub two six ERA, even though he's given up eleven hits in just seven innings of work. It feels to me that that's a mixture of kind of lucky and also being good enough to get out of a jam. And then Matt Vogel has a funny ERA of one thirty five, as in a hundred and thirty five because he only threw uh, one third of an inning. And gave up five earned runs. Obviously, that will go down once he gets another chance to pitch. But even still, it's one of those funny early season ERAs. Right. I yeah, and those, those are always good early on. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, I think I mean Iora is a veteran. He's been he's been around and he's he's never going to be a strikeout guy. He's going to work down in the zone, try and get weak contact. Mm. Uh, and and he's had you know he's had success he, he's had success doing that as well. But uh, and and in particular on Guerrero, just wanted to to mention mm. on him real quick. Like yeah. he he really does fit that bill as like an affiliated guy who did who did not have much success in the Astro system at all. He's still young. He's twenty four years old. Really? Uh, yeah, he's twenty four. Uh, and he's actually, and, and, uh, and, and he's, so it, it's very, it's very interesting because last year, uh, last year in high a was not good, uh, struck out a lot, uh, and got in had a stint in double a with 20 games and went four for 50. So like, and that sometimes it's just that scene change where, it, where, uh, you know, it's, it gets away from guys when because the reality is with affiliated teams they're it's not they're not just playing the best player the nine best players and rolling out and rolling out they're not rolling the nine best players out in the field they've got they've got money attached to certain guys guys that have to figure it out uh that that there are a lot of money and there's a lot of uh, organizational a lot of the organizations relying on to pan out uh and sometimes some guys get the short end of the stick and uh and that's where that especially for a guy that young I wouldn't be surprised if he, if, if he doesn't get another sh- doesn't get another shot soon if he if he keeps hitting like this. Honestly, he probably should. I mean, if he's able to be in the Atlantic League, which I think we can kind of agree is at its worst, probably a Double A level league, and do well. Yep. He probably deserves a, at least a look there. But yeah, you're right with the agendas and whatnot. And I do wonder in Guerrero's case, he's from the Bronx. He played his co- summer college ball at least in eighteen out in Sac Harbor, so that is on Long Island. You know, yeah. it. I do wonder if it's also just kind of like, okay, well, I'm kind of around more familiar settings now, if that's kind of helping with a little bit too. Like, obviously, I'm sure, you know, I'm, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure that plays a role, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously, the, you know, the Bronx isn't really Long Island and Sac Harbor's a different part. Like, I get it, but even still, you know, if you're from one area to go back to it, gotta help a little bit too. I mean, it's better than being bounced around to like different parts of North Carolina different parts of texas because i see like i'm looking at this thing now this baseball reference and i see like asheville so that's north carolina corpus christi texas fateville north carolina asheville north carolina uh tri-cities obviously you know we know tri-city well uh they're troy new york so that's a totally different section of new york entirely that's more albany area so you know, I'm just interested in that kind of thing. Maybe it's just a, my uh, mentality switch there. But yeah, 24, if he's doing this, he, he's definitely going to get a look, right? Like, he's got it. You'd think. Yeah. Yeah, especially guys guys that young don't come around that often in the Atlantic League when pro scouts are looking. So yeah. I think I think he gets a look for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, anything else we really want to mention this week before we get on to it? Obviously, there's been a couple other really nice stand up perform performances. Uh, Mitch Lampson's been doing good in two starts, 12 innings pitched to 225 ERA. So that's pretty solid. Moya's been just killing it all around. Yeah. I mean, four home runs, 10 RBIs, batting 316. Well, well Moya's the guy we talked about. That, yeah, that you mentioned him. Yeah. The pre- like a guy that uh, that played in Japan for a number of years and started to not do so great but has like has like has had like 25 30 home run seasons in Japan. And that that could be a guy where uh, that could really break out in the Atlantic League. And so far, he's done it. Definitely, I it definitely looks good. And I mean, he's got to be. I mean, like I don't want to say he's. Uh, and no one at this point is a contender for any sort of award. But if he keeps up he the pace, enough. yeah. If he keeps up the pace, though, <laughs> uh, it's so early. I know it. It does the. That's the part about this, like. Early in the year is when you want to talk the most about baseball, but there's also the least you can really say because there's no real conclusions you can draw. It's just like, okay, early on, this is what the situation is and just kind of go from there. But uh, yeah, overall, though, I'd like to see one thing. Lancaster is still able to draw a crowd over 3,000 a game, nearly 4,000 a game, despite not putting it all together on the field. So that's good to see. And also Gastonia is starting to figure out a little bit too, attendance wise. 2500 a game for them so. yeah that's a big upgrade for them yeah definitely charleston has no attendance yet so i don't think they've had their uh they probably haven't had a home game yet but I believe so now. yeah although uh, i gotta say i think uh high points the system's broken for high point in southern maryland we don't have an average yet uh listed uh, atlantic league website yeah 
the best. Uh, and it's very, it's very simple. You have, you have a total, you have openings. You just divide the numbers, boys and girls. It's not yeah, that hard. Really not that hard. High points coming in around 2000 then. And then I guess, like if I'm doing it right, Southern Maryland's doing pretty good because it's about 12,000 for them divided by four. So they're doing pretty uh, good. Respectfully, I've always been kind of suspect on their uh, attendance numbers. Suspect on their announced attendance for years now. Oh, I mean, everybody's suspect on attendance. I mean, that's in the first page of the Miles uh, Wolf book. Is uh, yeah, yeah. Don't trust the attendance numbers. Nope. But Not at all. yeah. So that's that. I guess that brings us to just about everything this week. We don't have anything else left to get to on the uh, baseball front of things. I would think so. Yeah. All right. So then. We'll wrap it up and we will head out. This kind of ends the first of the 2023 season. Next week, we what are we doing next week? Is it the American Association preview? I think it is. I think so, yeah. Uh, yeah, American Association preview next week. Week after that, Frontier. Week after that, Pioneer League. So it's previews from here on out and also baseball talk too. So it'll be nice. I think we're pretty much wrapping up news for the, for the most part, although I don't think there's going to be terribly much major news at this point in mid-May. So that's the good news there. So let's get to these plugs and we'll get out of Dodge and get on the rest of the day. If you want to find the show, you can do so on social media at Twitter at IndieBallPod. You could do so on Instagram at ALPB underscore news and at IndieBallReport there. Uh, you can find the show wherever you find podcasts, whatever your preferred podcast platform is. So that's TuneIn, that's Stitcher, that's Spotify, that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you know, most major ones we're on. So wherever you find the show, uh, rate, review, and subscribe uh, for our selfish benefit there. You can also find the show notes, links to everything we discussed today, as well as all the previous episodes on the website, indiebarreport.com. Be sure to head over there to check that out uh, as well. Uh, that being said, do we have anything else left to add this week? I will say, I you could say that... Uh, look, I, I am very pleased with the... And I, I will give you the floor for, to say whatever you want to say, Nick. Uh, I know exactly I, what you're referring to, too. And I'm going to just cut you off. And I'm just going to jump in on it because I'm going to say... Games, I, I want to let you do your rant first. Games 5, well, really 4, 5, and 7 were the most disgraceful display of hockey I've seen probably the past 20 years of watching hockey, the absolute lack of heart and any sort of pride in the way that team played is disgraceful. And quite frankly, there needs to be some major soul searching going into next year because I frankly have no idea how the hell you do not wake up for that. There was just sloppy, unforced mistakes. And quite frankly, it was an extremely winnable series that was pissed away because they opted not to work. Because the three games they decided they wanted to work, they wanted to fight, they won those three games. And the one game where they half worked and half fought, they forced an overtime where it was then a close overtime that could have went either way. And quite frankly put, this team is either mentally weak and mentally soft because anytime the, the pressure gets put on them, they go up 2-0 both times now in both series, they wind up losing those series. One was in six, one was in seven games. They go ahead, they have an expectation, come in an elimination game, they answer the call once, and then that's it. It speaks volumes to the construction of this team. People are going to point fingers at the coaching staff, and they deserve some blame here too. I think it's a 33-33-33 type of thing here. The roster construction is a problem, the players are a problem, the coaches are a problem. The coaches need to be able to do better to make more adjustments. I'm not going to say they didn't make any. There were line changes, there were changes to the power play, there were different ways of doing things. So I'm not going to blame them entirely. But they didn't do enough to change that. And when your coach doesn't really implement a system, Okay, you need to be better at managing people. That's really the two types of coaches. There are the X's and O's types, and there's the people types. So if you're an X's and O's guy, I'm not going to expect you to be a rah-rah guy. I'm not going to expect you to have a good gauge in your room. I'm not going to expect you to do a lot of the people managing parts of it. I'm going to expect you to know your players well enough as a player to put them in a position to succeed. If you're a player's coach, I'm not going to expect a lot from a tactician standpoint. I'm not going to expect overwhelming changes as far as x's and o's goes the way you're going to set up your personnel i'm not going to expect a lot of that but i am going to expect you to be able to get the absolute most out of your guys and tell them look this is you i trust you to go get the job done i'm not going to do something you don't want to do i'm not going to do whatever it may be 
I'm going to put my faith in you to go get the job done. We know what kind of coach the Rangers have. They have that second type. They didn't wake up. That's an indictment on the coaching staff. And it tells me you're not good at the type of coach you are. Fine. Roster management, roster construction was a problem. You know, I'm plenty of people have bitched and moaned about Kane. I'm going to do it a little bit here, but he is far from the biggest problem here. He still put up, what, seven points? Granted, it seemed more like a point merchant situation because how many points did he have in a game that mattered? Not that many. His only goal came, you yeah. know, on a devil team that had given up at that point, especially on his goal there. So whatever. Three on zero. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of expect things from that. But the rest of the top six is disgraceful. We'll get to them in a second. But the fact we said, yep, Kane's what we need here, as opposed to going and getting a more versatile player, a more two-way type of player, is definitely a problem. And I always hate going after, you know, management because I don't know the full details of the situation. I don't know what ownership pressure there was. I don't know who was available. I don't know for what price. And obviously with the cap situation, it was different. But a guy like a Nick Bukestad, I think would have changed the series more than a guy like Patrick Kane would have. That being said, going over to the player's share of blame here, you cannot have one forward line actually trying and have the rest not there. Kreider did his job. Zibby, missing. Panarin, missing. Tarasenko, fine. Whatever on him. And then we already talked about Kane. So, Kidline, by virtue of not doing anything, by virtue of being zero, they were arguably the second best line. And you can't have your bottom six as the best two lines and expect to win a playoff series. Defensively speaking, I don't really have much to complain about, although that was probably the worst two weeks of hockey I've seen Adam Fox play, which is really disheartening coming from a guy that now is a Norris finalist and deserves that nomination, had a great season. This just was not it, his playoff series. I don't know what was up with that. And quite frankly, every single player on that team should be apologizing to Shesterkin for making this a seven-game series. Without him, this thing was done in five. And goddamn, it's just such a wasted opportunity, and that's what annoys the hell out of me the most because the pathway is clear you have a weakened not even that great to begin with Carolina team there and on the flip side you have the Leafs which biggest accomplishment since the lockout since the start of the Bush administration is winning one damn series and then you have the Panthers which are basically Connor Verhage and Matt Kachuk that's what that's what you have standing between you and the cup final And then in the West, like, what am I afraid of in the West? Jake Ottinger and Connor McDavid. That's really it. Like the Kraken or whatever they are. And then there's Vegas, which congratulations, Vegas. You're all flashing no substance. You'll beat Edmonton because Edmonton doesn't have a goaltender. That's what you got. And McDavid and Dreisaitl can only do so much. Like, it was such an easy year. The path was so clear. And by just deciding not to show up, it was all just thrown away. And that's what annoys me the absolute most. So that's all I have to say on that. It's on pretty much everyone, and there better be some whole organizational soul searching coming into next year. And if that's with a new coach, great. If it's not, that's fine too. It just can't be the same result because at this point, I don't really care about the regular season. You could have 140 points in the regular season. I would not care. I care about winning the 16 games from the middle of April to the end of June. That was a pretty legendary rant. Yeah, I know. Trust me, it was worse on Monday night and Tuesday. I I'll, I'll say I'll say this about about the Rangers first. Um, first of all, Shostakin just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the that was probably the best goaltending I've seen in a in a playoff series since Jonathan Quick in 2012. Yeah. Um, I thought he was he was that incredible. Um, and you know, I I thought the to be honest with you, I, I found myself at the point, I believe it was game five, when Shesterkin robbed, I, I forget who he robbed, but then immediately skated to the bench to start yelling at his teammates. Yeah. I thought, wow, like, I like I want that dude on my, like, obviously he's an incredible goalie, but like, yeah. I feel like he was, I feel like he was the only guy who was there, yeah. you know, trying to get anything started. And if, and if you're, if the fact that, you know, your goalie came up and did that and that doesn't fire you up, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to speak on Rangers' effort because I don't. I haven't watched them enough. I don't know that. Uh, I don't. I don't know them like you do. Um, I just do think it was a very, uh, a very interestingly constructed roster of, um, and 
it, it's very hard to win when you know Savannah Jet has uh, Savannah Jet had one goal in the series or two. One. Uh, we won, yeah. Like, I remember the one specifically, but and then yeah. you know, I, I literally thought with Panarin, it was almost. I thought it was in his head pretty clearly by yeah. by game by games four and five. I thought it was definitely like it was something mental, and he's got he's got open nets and he can't hit it, or his his stick breaks or something like that. Um, I I do think though that I the Devils. It took a goalie switch for them to really start playing, and I, I'm glad I'm glad they did. Uh, I thought, first of all, I, I need to give a tip of the cap to John Marino because I thought Marino was the best player in the series for the Devils, uh, and he was and Hughes 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 I thought played very well also, uh, but I think Marino and what he brought what he brought defensively is a was a complete game changer, um, and was a a huge, huge boost to to what the Devils needed in, in that series, and I think just the the, the pressure on the forecheck, and I think you're right, Nick, on the as far as as far as the kid line being because that was the only time I would I would see the Rangers trying to apply any pressure. Yeah, uh, and, that and on, fourth on the forecheck, the fourth yeah. line did so, their job too. Goodrow would get in there, Mott would do something, VC would fight mm-hmm. for pucks. Those those yeah. six were the only ones that cared about forechecking and backchecking, and that's yeah. the thing that annoys me the most about Kane and Panarin and I understand it's not their game but you have to fight for pucks you're down in the game go fight for the puck go get the puck that mm-hmm. it's little that that's effort that is effort that's all that is and the thing is Kane fine the hip I get it whatever and that's never been his game fine I've seen Panarin do this before his first year here his second year here he would do this I saw him do it all earlier in the year when he's energized and he cares he'll go dig it out he can go do these things. It's just he chose not to do it. And that's what's annoying as hell. And I get it. He was pressing himself because, I mean, especially with the breakup day comments of I wanted to do better than I did last year and then I pressed too much. I get it. But just throwing random stuff across the ice doesn't help any, especially when they're set up in the middle. You're not going to get it through four guys. And it doesn't yeah. even improve the scoring chance. It's the same problem on the other side of the ice. Yeah, I mean, like I look at a guy like Kako, obviously who wasn't on the stat sheet much, but at least I thought he was trying. Oh yeah, he, he absolutely and, was, and he was, and he was mixing it up there, and he was being physical, and I, like, he was being physical. He was he was mixing up fighting for pucks. Like I like I know he's young, and he's got a lot of growing to do in his game, obviously. Yeah, uh, and I don't I don't know if you know this coaching staff or this team is the best uh, place for him to reach his full potential. Uh, that's not to me saying any yeah. sort of trade should be on, but I I just I don't know if he can if he can reach his full potential with a, with a group like that uh, and the same for Lafreniere. But I think if, if the Rangers are going to want to be a, a Stanley Cup contending team, they need one of those two to become really good. And they just, and they haven't been, but at least Kako was trying, he was battling for pucks and he was trying to forecheck. Uh, and I mean, the, the biggest stat uh, in my opinion from game seven that I look back on is the takeaways stat. Uh, and the devils had 20 takeaways in game seven. The Rangers had three. Um, and I thought, you could, and yeah, you could, you can, you can certainly point that to effort. I think Nick probably would, uh, but I think just it, the Rangers seem like a very oddly constructed roster. Obviously, I'll give a ton of credit to the Devils and the way they fought back, and everybody, everybody chipped in. I mean, even Lazar was there for a rebound, a, a rebound, an MSG scoring game six, and, or oh, was that four? It was six. I, yeah, so that 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 was something, but. You know, just a, a lot of guys that, and I thought, uh, and even though he didn't score, I thought Timo Meyer did a good job uh, as well. And and no, I do not have a problem with the. Uh, I, no, I do not have a problem with the Truba oh, hit. Uh, as, uh, can I, I, I do not have. I guess I jump ahead. in with the people complaining about the Truba hit. I feel like are the kind of people that never at all played hockey once, because like yeah. one of the very first things you're taught is do not skate with your head down. Because you're mm-hmm. going to get hurt. And so when you're cutting across the middle of the ice with your head down, you're liable to get hurt. And also, like, the people that I complain about, I think, are more people that complain about the outcome of hits as opposed to the hit themselves. Which is, like, fine, but it's a good hit. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> again, like, he kept the arm down. Elbow was tucked. Like, it's unfortunate, but head up, that hit doesn't happen. So, like... Yeah, you know, I I just don't get the people that 
that complain about that. It's like, yeah, I get it. True, but throws these hits a lot, but that's because he's mastered throwing that hit. And it's like, it's it's a clean hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a clean hit. I mean, I thought, uh, and I, I think Meyer, I think Meyer had, for the most part, had a really good series. But uh, I don't know. It's going to be very, very interesting offseason for the Rangers. I think, honestly, for the Devils, uh, if Brendan Smith, if, I, if Brendan Smith, finds his way into the lineup for game for game two of this series. I'm going to lose my shit. Uh, but uh, I, I can't believe it also took Lindy Roth till game three to scratch Miles Wood. But that's another thing for another day. Uh, but yeah, just very happy with how they played, how fast they played, didn't give up. Um, and, you know, whatever happens, happens at this point. Certainly there's a there's a path for a cup run. They, they were sleepwalking against Carolina in game one, to put it mildly. Uh, with one with one shot in a period, I think they'll come out better in game two. But uh, but yeah, I think I think a lot of your points are, are a lot of your points are well taken, Nick. But I I I was very proud and happy oh, with yeah. the way that the way that they battled back and losing two on their home ice uh, on on home ice and and coming back was was admirable for sure. And all of them deserve credit for that. Oh yeah, because they showed heart. They wanted it more. I mean, that's at the very end of the day, that's the thing that reminds me the most. Like they remind me of last year's Rangers team, where it's a team that has a couple mm-hmm. of guys that do the heavy lifting skill wise, but overall, like you look at them on paper compared to the teams they're going against, they probably shouldn't win, but they just kind mm-hmm. of want it more, and that's going to carry them to the win. You know, obviously the major difference is playoff Shostorkin's kind of out of his mind and that's something I think Ranger fans really will always take for granted is how good our goaltending is because we went from 15 years of Henrik Lundqvist playing at a Vesna level to now mm-hmm. Igor Shostorkin and then even before that it was like okay there's like four or five years where we don't have a great goaltender but like before that we had Richter before Richter we had Van Breesbrook and like essentially since like 89 with the exception of like three years We've had pretty damn good goaltending. <laughs> so like Olympic caliber goaltending. So I don't think we take that for, I think we take that for granted a lot, but even more than that, that's really the only key difference here. But I would say that your, your actual star players show up in the postseason, something we haven't seen in New York, which is extremely maddening. Uh, so I really wouldn't be surprised to see them beat Carolina. It really wouldn't be because, frankly, I just don't think Carolina is that good of a team. And I think without uh, enough Teravainen and uh, Svechnikov, they're even worse of a team. Uh, so, I mean, obviously they got better by dropping that defensive anchor known as Tony D'Angelo, but beating Tony was great. I loved that last year. That was probably the highlight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, like, I, honestly, if they went to the conference final, I wouldn't be surprised. Cup final... That depends on who they're getting, you know. I think that that's very matchup dependent, and there's a lot that has to still be shaken out before I could say any further than that. But yeah, like I, I wouldn't be shocked to see them knock out Caroline and say it's going to be at least six, probably seven. I think it would probably take seven. Carolina's thing, they kind of hang around for a while. Plus now you're in a one zero hole. Carolina's going to win at least one more, probably two more before they do their usual routine of of dying off. They don't like playing tough. You play them <laughs> tough, they're going to cave. They're a very different team than the Rangers. They're very different. Well, yeah, because they uh, try. <laughs> I'll leave you to that. But yeah, that's all I want to say about, about about the series. I don't know. I think you got all your anger out. Yeah, I think I, I'm, I've gotten better as the week's gone on. You know, uh, you know, I was really livid after after that because, like I said, that is honestly the worst I've seen them play in 20 years. Just the absolute lack of care is what annoys me. And the one thing I kept saying over and over afterwards is, I don't care that they lost in seven. You lost in seven to a team that's technically better than you are. You know, standings-wise, they're better. They're the betting favorite coming in. You lost to the better team, technically speaking. So, like, that happens. I don't really care all that much that you lost in seven. Like, I care, obviously. And, you know, I want them to keep playing, obviously. But I don't so much care we lost the series to a better team that's gonna happen and you lost in seven and one of the losses was an overtime game fine but i care the way you lose i care that three of these four losses all three in regulation came from not really trying not really waking up and the fact that we have to have our gm and our head coach get into a screaming match after game four that you can hear outside the locker room 
kind of speaks volumes to the condition this team was in. And I just, uh, like I said, there needs to be some soul searching from everyone in that room because the group that's there is the group that's there for a while because all the money is tied up. It's all no move clauses and no trade clauses. So realistically, the only one that can get moved is Barkley Goodrose, 3.6 million a year for the next four years, which was just a dumb contract to sign from the get-go. But the funny thing is, Barkley's probably the least deserving to get moved because he tries all the time. You know, he's not good enough to really matter and he can't play up on the second line. If he was able to be like a middle winger, then he'd be worth the 3.6, but he's not. So that's you know, where it is, he can get moved and you can get yourself some more cast space that way. But that's really the only piece that can get moved. And so until he's moved, we have about 11 and a half million to fill nine roster spots. So I have no idea how this is going to work out. And that's why this year is really disappointing because this was kind of the year where it's like, okay, the seas opened up. We have the cap space. We have the money to make something happen. We're not going to have this in the future. It's got to be this year. And to go out in the first round to go out sad is uh, extremely disheartening. Maybe the Boston Bruins. Honestly, I'd rather be Boston because then at least they went out in the same amount of games. Yeah, it's more disappointing off of the season they had, but like at least they had a really great regular season. That and also, like, I had Boston going out in round two. So them dropping in seven in the first round really wasn't that surprising to me. Like, that's the one thing I said every time the Rangers played them, with the exception of the first meeting in beginning of November, I think it was. Every other time the Rangers played, I was like, this is not that good of a team. We can beat this team. I, I have full confidence in a seven-game series we could beat them. Because they just, they make little mistakes. They don't overwhelm you. If you can hang with them and you could just play tight, pretty like white bread basic defensive hockey on them you can stop them they're really not that hard of a team and well the panthers figured that out and the panthers you know got the benefit of that so good for the panthers better team won that series oh absolutely so you know so thus ends the hockey portion <laughs> of this show uh i think we probably spent as much time talking about hockey as we did baseball but oh absolutely it is so uh, next week, American Association preview. But until then, and until next time, uh, don't forget to play 